Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Local Success Podcast, where the mission is to admire, get inspired, and take action. I'm your host, Ricardo Flores. Today's episode is a treat. I get to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, wine, and I get to do it with a true expert on the field, Daniel Berman. Daniel is the owner and founder of Rincon Wine Group, a wine wholesaler in the central coast of California. They have a curated selection that focuses on exciting, small producers who craft wines that showcase the vineyards they are from. I admire Daniel for following his true passion and starting a company that aligns with his personal views. He shares his experience about starting a business, the hardships that come with it, and of course, wine. So pour yourself a glass and enjoy this one. Thank you, Mr. Berman, so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I decided to talk to you about your journey, your new company, and where it all started. So let's start about a little bit where you're from and what got you into this beautiful industry of wine. Got it. Well, I think it all has to start with my dad. Um, my dad started his interest in wine in the 60s and 70s, buying wine really to collect um, an age. So he was influenced by my uncle actually going to retailers in Manhattan, where we're from, uh, and really getting recommendations from those retailers and uh, the specialists there on wine to buy and sell. Um, really it was a lot of old Bordeaux and a lot of mostly French wine, which is where I really grew up, what I really grew up with. And fortunately, I was a lucky beneficiary of all those purchases a couple decades later. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it's honestly, it's a great experience. And, and I got to try a lot of amazing, uh, as we call in the industry, unicorn wines right from the get-go when I really was just learning. So That's so cool to me. How many bottles do you think that was in total? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's better to quantify the cases. Honestly. Wow. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was exposed to it at a relatively young age. Ever since my late teenage years, my parents uh, always were, everything was all about the dinner table and, and there was always wine on the table. And it was always a very important part the, of, of our culture at home, the harmony between food and wine uh, and also the camaraderie around that. So. Where did that where did that start that for them? Is that where did that start for them? Yeah, is that also something they had when they were kids? That's an interesting question. I don't believe either one of them really had a lot of experience with wine mm -hmm. growing up. But I do know uh, that both of my parents are phenomenal cooks. My mom actually owned a mm -hmm. catering company. My dad's always been a great uh, classic kind of French food. Um, cook but does a variety of other things as well and I do know that they always had really big gatherings and family so I'm sure the food culture was a big portion of it but I think the wine uh, was only a matter of time for that to really sink in makes sense and did you have siblings or were you I was an only child okay. um, I do have a stepbrother okay but um, I, I really essentially grew up as an only child Got it. Okay, so then um, last time we talked, you talked a little bit about your dad traveling the world, talk a little bit about that experience and Got it. how that influenced the wine. Sure. So when I was young, uh, my dad was a, uh, had nothing to do with wine other than his purchases uh, as more of a hobby, hmm. but he was an energy consultant at a previous life. He had a few different careers, but in a previous life, he was an energy consultant. And I remember very specifically when I was young, maybe six or seven, that he 
had a trip where he flew around the world uh, visiting Europe and Russia and they were in northern Africa and various parts of Asia and literally the circumference of the world wow. um, I remember he was gone for a couple of weeks but I do know that they had some nice dinners and I'm sure they had great wines there too so my dad was probably in his element I see makes sense and so what were some of the first encounters you remember with wine personally first encounters with wine I would say my wow or my wow moment or the bottle that really opened my eyes was a bottle of Ridge Three Valleys now Ridge is an iconic producer around the world I because of this moment I've always have a really soft spot in my heart for Ridge and that's a great winery and a soft spot for it because the wines are incredible but this bottle of Three Valleys is their entry tier mm. uh, bottling and it's from Sonoma County my dad mostly drank French wines that's what I grew up with so having something from Sonoma at the time was a little bit out of the ordinary for him but I didn't really know I, I was again kid mm -hmm. uh, live in where again this was we were in new york, new york. Yeah, from new york originally so okay. i grew up there i went to school in philadelphia and then i made my way out to santa barbara um after college in my early 20s but the, the ridge three valleys was just my my aha moment and wine i'm like wow this can this is really good i didn't know anything could taste like this and again i may, was maybe 17 18 yeah. maybe a little bit younger than that but just my dad passing a glass over at the table and saying here smell this taste this and then i would go back to whatever else i was drinking you know but the fact that you remember that being the one i mean it's i wonder if it was you realizing how wine or was it really that good it's such a cool story to have <laughs> yeah you, I, again i I'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure really what it was but it was just that aha moment yeah when you you experience something for the first time that you've never experienced before and it's just wow this is amazing there's a whole it opened up a whole new world for me that i didn't even realize Wow. Okay. And then go from there. After that, um, you left New York or what was the idea yeah, with the wine? So I, I came back from school. I went to school in Philadelphia, as I said, and uh, I came back from school and was looking for a job. I got a, my degree in public relations Okay. and I was looking for what, what I thought would be my career, um, interviewing for companies and in Manhattan and um, maybe other areas in the Northeast so I could be somewhat close to home and someone in a familiar area. Uh, but I always wanted to move to Santa Barbara. We have family here, so I do have some roots in Santa Barbara. Hmm. And it was almost a summer vacation for me. I, was, I always wanted to just try it out as an experiment. I'm sure the weather was a nice change. Uh, the weather was definitely <laughs> a nice change. We came out of the summer though, so. But yes, it was, I mean, it's spectacular here. Yeah. How could you not? Uh, but while I was interviewing or was trying to get interviews for what I thought was uh, my new career, I needed to make money. So I worked in restaurants in, in college uh, and over summers and so I thought I was going to get a waiter job or something behind the bar or anything of that kind of familiar aspect to me just to make ends meet while I was interviewing. My mom said to me, you know, there's a new French wine shop owned by this French man down the street you should go check that out and said okay I, I'm, I'm might as well what how fitting <laughs> yeah exactly well again at that time i didn't really think i knew anything about wine right i was a college kid. that's what blows my mind that it college. was shaping up yeah yeah for sure so this was all just kind of happening in the background without me really knowing but 
I get to the wine shop, the guy looks me up up and down. Uh, we talk for about half an hour, and a month later, I'm the store manager. Boom. <laughs> so I rattled off a bunch of information that I really didn't think I knew, but maybe I absorbed all the information via osmosis. Again, I don't know. Yeah. Subconsciously. But it, it maybe it was serendipitous. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. I mean, to see you now where you're at now and, and realizing that all that kind of shaped into that when you were younger. It's so cool. Okay, so how was that job? You enjoyed it? You? I enjoyed it, yeah. So that really, that really was the first, was my first real job uh, where I had to manage an inventory, manage a store, manage sales. And it was fascinating. And in the process, I also had a lot of time to learn about wine. And I had to learn about wine very, very quickly. Um, as most things are, wine is, and the wine world is very humbling. You open Pandora's box when you first start to learn why does this wine taste like it does? Where is it from? Who is this producer? How are they making wine? There are so many details on how this product is made that is fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of history involved. There's a lot of geology involved. There's a lot of uh, climactic uh, situations involved science uh, and, and science absolutely uh, that you would never really think about when you're just going to the grocery store and picking a bottle it's so true yeah my parents and his friends started uh, for fun six older men in their 60s started making wine and I got to see the process from you know picking the grape to to the whole fermentation and everything it's amazing and it's incredible how much wine there's out there and yeah there's so much information about it all Right, uh, exactly, Ricardo. It's, it's, again, it just opens a whole new world, and then once you start learning about it, it's just, it just snowballs. Yeah, you can't stop. You can't stop. It's just fascinating. So do you think that kind of solidified that you wanted to work with wine there, or did you still have a, an idea maybe to do something else? Well, it certainly gave me a reason to move out to California. Okay. So before I, again, I wanted to move out to California as an experiment. This was going to be somewhat of a, again, an experiment, uh, as the, the job at the, uh, the wine shop, but I was eventually going to move out to California. And so now I had, okay, well, I'm going to try to do wine out in California. So here we are. When I got out here, it was probably our last really big rainy season, mm. and I was I was young and kind of dumb, honestly, <laughs> and just assumed everything was just going to come to me. That couldn't have been less true. Yeah. Uh, I had to really work for it and go knock on doors, cold call. Again, I, East Coast and West Coast are two very different places. Mm. Culture is very different. So I had to learn the area and learn the environment and um, really start a new network. What do you think culture was one of the hardest things to adapt that cost you? Funny, uh, two things. Hmm. Funny about that, that I, when I first got here, I would stay inside a lot. Interesting. Because in the winter, when I arrived, I arrived in February, in the winter, in the Northeast, people are inside a lot because it's cold and freezing and rainy or snowy. But everybody's outside here all the time for obvious reasons. So I had to always, I learned to, you know, 
do things outside all the time. I went hiking, I went running outside. Instead of going to the gym inside, I would go work out outside, things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was uh, my first job, when I did get a job actually at Firestone Winery and I worked just as a tasting room associate, some of the guests who were visiting the winery would always look at me and say like, this guy's a little bit different. I was running circles around most of the other people there. I was working, moving twice as fast. And again, I think that's the energy that the Northeast gave me and will always live inside of me. Yeah. I think is an asset as well. Absolutely. So it's, again, just the movement and uh, and just overall different culture. Yeah. Same. So a little sidetrack just to go into what the podcast is about success. You you, you leave New Jersey, you come to California. How are you? New Jer- New York, sorry. Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake, especially in sports. Uh, but you leave New York, you come to California. How at that age are you viewing success? What's, what's in your mind? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be successful. What does it mean to you back then? Back then, I probably had a very unworldly, naive view of success. Mm. Success was about making money. And I think, you know, there is obviously truth to that. Financial success is important in life. Of course. But it's not everything. Mm -hmm. And that question is especially interesting because success means something different to every single person, no matter where you are in life, where you live, um, what your situation is in life at that time. And so, again, at the beginning, mine was very elementary and it all really boiled down to money and see and when do you when do you think that started shifting into the probably the priorities in your life are now gosh probably when i met my wife okay um and i met my wife out here playing softball actually (laughs) nice Uh, but i started to realize that there was a little bit more to it and really a lot more to it and I started peeling back that onion I mean I've got a wife uh, two beautiful uh, girls now um, we live here in Santa Barbara this is our life mm. I feel right there that I couldn't be any more successful where I am now because I'm happy that's beautiful and the uh, the happiness is really the most important part of success. Are you happy in a certain moment? Are you content with where you are? If you're always reaching and wanting for more, that's okay. But you need to put it all, put all the pieces together and really find out what's important in life. And is the financial element important? Absolutely, yes, but that's just a piece of the pie. Right. Awesome. Thanks for that. It's a great answer. Um, okay, so then you're you're still you come here to Santa Barbara, and then what what, what job you find? Where would you immerse yourself into? How does it go? So I um, originally, when I moved out here, as I said, I worked for Firestone Winery. I was just a tasting room associate, and what that means is I people would come into the winery visiting from all over, locally, far, internationally. We would show them the winery and show them the wines and they would go through a tasting and they'd go on their way to wherever else they were going. But so that's what I originally did. And it was great experience um, at Firestone because I had everything there. Firestone's quite a large property. You have the you have the vineyards right out the door. You have the production facility just on the other side of the wall of the tasting room, the hospitality uh, center. 
So I got to see the whole picture of the wine industry right there. So I, honestly, working working there as my first wine job out in California was invaluable. Hmm. Uh, I got to see the whole business of the wine of the wine world. So I, that being said, I was involved in the vineyards. I got to talk with the vineyard manager. I got to talk with the winemakers and. Um, and this passion just kept on growing and growing and growing and I kept reading and reading and reading more about domestic wines, uh, international wines, and, uh, and, and more of the process of how it's all made and the business behind it too. So shortly after that I became, they promoted me, I became an assistant manager and they gave me a title, it was called the VIP coordinator, which essentially means that I was responsible for taking out or taking care of all of the maybe celebrities or important quote-unquote people that came hmm. uh, and also it was mostly salespeople that were one incentive trips or were sent up from from doing a good job selling the Firestone wines or the Foley family wines was the parent company and I would get to hang out with those people and talk about what they did and talk about their lives and uh, show them the wine world and got to share my passion yeah, so you truly love that job I, I did i mean that was that was the launching point for my career now yeah definitely so cool okay and then after that what happened after that well that again sparked my interest by then you knew you knew wine was your route uh again i was still kind of, still kind of figuring it out still kind of figuring out i knew this was going to be interesting but i was definitely open to other channels got it did you have your parents tell you hey you have this degree in this area are you going to use it or was it <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to tell me that i was asking myself that question um, uh, my, my, yeah they didn't need to um so when i had this job uh i was constantly interacting with salespeople, and i uh, especially in the wholesale channel and so i found that actually quite interesting. Maybe that's the next step for me. Of course, it eventually did become the next step. Uh, I started working with a smaller statewide uh, distributor at the time uh, that had a really big French portfolio, which was again my passion, um, and also some great California wines as well. Uh, I worked there for almost two years, but while I was doing that, I saw that there was another company, uh, a much bigger company that really had the best portfolio full of blue chip wines that I really wanted to be a part of. They were, they had a lot of power and a lot of positioning in the area and that's the job I wanted. I had no idea how I was going to get it, hmm. but maybe again, something in the air or maybe a will to make it happen. But after two years with that smaller, uh, statewide company i worked i got that job as, in santa barbara as the santa barbara um wine specialist oh, seems like you were manifesting before it was cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. without even yeah. knowing yeah. awesome and then how long were you there for and when did the idea maybe branch on your own start how did that come about so i was there for about eight and a half years <clears throat> um, the company was rndc they became uh was Young's market they became rndc excuse me so <laughs> One of the top two biggest alcohol distributions in the country, right? Correct. Yes, exactly. And I had a wonderful experience there. Again, I got to work with some of these iconic wines and wineries and work with a lot of great people. I learned so, so, so much about 
the wine industry and um, and also about our area. And to that point, I saw a lot of what my competition was doing over the past, I would say, starting about five years ago. And they had a lot of these really great smaller producers that I'd never heard of, but all my customers really wanted mm. and were clamoring for them. Of course, they still wanted to see me and see what I had, but the fact that I didn't really have any of those wineries that were just really exciting and upcoming that are 30 miles away from us kind of made me really start to think and wonder. And I learned a little bit more about that and I saw there were so many more wineries that weren't even getting attention. So I said, man, one day that would be really cool if I could figure something out and of how to, to work more locally in the community and, and, uh, and bring our restaurants, retailers, resorts and hotels, you know, these small producers that want to be out uh, in um, around town, but just don't know how to. So over, over that amount of time, that was kind of just simmering in the back of my mind. Come about probably later, latter half of the pandemic, maybe two years ago, I uh, became a board member, nominated to be a board member of the Vintners Foundation, which is the philanthropic arm of the Santa Barbara Vintners Association. That was a huge honor. I was very, very pleased to get that because again, I wanted to be part of more part of the local community. And with that, I immediately started becoming more part of the community. My goals were coming to fruition. I immediately started meeting all many more of these smaller producers, some of which I had never even heard of, but trying their wine, getting to spend some time with uh, the people behind the brand and the winemakers and the owners and there were some amazing things and I could not believe that I had never heard of them just because I was, again, somewhat removed yeah. from that. These folks wanted to have representation out in the marketplace, but just didn't know how to. And so that's really where my, my business idea with Rincon Wine Group came to be. There were so many of these small, exciting producers that wanted a representation, uh, but didn't know how, um, or were misrepresented, but they still all really wanted to be. So that's really where it, it, it kind of stemmed from, is that, that uh, two years ago when I became a member of the Vintners Foundation, and um, it just became to a fever pitch. And now you're representing some of those people you talk to. Exactly. How is that? How does that feel too? Exactly. No, it's ex extremely exciting and rewarding. I, I um, the feedback of it all has been wonderful, and my customers are very happy on one side of the table who I'm selling to, and then my winery clients are also extremely happy because they get to really experience their wines being out in the market, and um, and it's very rewarding for them as, as well. That's awesome, and I know Rincon uh, has a cool little story behind the, the name of the of the company. Explain that a little bit. Absolutely, and you say it beautifully. <laughs> um, so Rincon, as you say, or Rincon, as I say, um, means corner in Spanish. So when I, I'm really a map geek, as most wine people are, you know, I could look at a map for hours on end and study it. When I was trying to come up with a name for my company, I wanted to create some local geographic element to it. So I was running all around 
trying to discover what that element was going to be and incorporate it into the logo and the name. One day I was looking at a map of Santa Barbara County and I just saw that the outline of our county, there's a big corner, 90 degree turn at Point Conception. Hmm. And I said, huh, I do know that Rincon means corner and it's a famous surf spot down in Carpinteria, but really the whole county line is a corner. Rincon means corner. This is perfect. So that's what we did. So we made the logo, the outline of Santa Barbara County along the coast. That's so crazy how perfect it is. It, it just, <laughs> it's it wild. Just out. You know, all yeah. the stars aligned. How cool. Let's talk a little bit about obviously wine pairing. What what are some of the wines that you love? Well, because my of my dad's influence, I love Bordeaux. I love older wines, uh, which are not for everyone, uh, but I do love older wines. Again, I got to try. I got to try a lot of amazing things that I could never afford uh, <laughs> these days. Uh, but they, they were wonderful experiences. So I definitely do love Bordeaux. I love uh, Ridge, uh, obviously the producer up in the Santa Cruz Mountains in Sonoma County. Uh, I also do love uh, a lot of our local wines here. Um, obviously, I mean, I wouldn't have started the company if I didn't like our local wines. I love a lot of them. So for me, I mean, Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir is, is world-class and, yeah. uh, as is Chardonnay. In fact, I think the Chardonnay from Santa Rita Hills is, is really challenging, um, Pinot Noir locally, but, um, there's a bit of a renaissance going on here right now. There are a lot of other varieties that are coming up that we're experimenting with and that's the beauty of California and, and Santa Barbara County as there's so much innovation and experimentation. We're such a youthful wine appellation in the world. Yeah. If you look over in Europe, I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. That's wild. Um, for someone not too familiar with French wine, how would you describe the difference between California wine and French wine? That's a great question. So California wine, I would definitely say there's a lot of sunshine in our wine. Mm. Uh, we have, we have uh, really nice weather here. Uh, we don't have a lot of rain. Um, in Europe, it rains all year round, uh, but they've really dialed it in again over sometimes thousands of years uh, of where to grow and how to grow it. So they've got more of a, and, and their wines in general are a little bit more of an earthy style, a little bit drier. Our wines are definitely uh, becoming a little bit more uh, dry, but you can't stop the California sunshine. We generally have more fruit and a little bit more alcohol in our wines, um, which to newer wine drinkers is usually more pleasing. But um, it's funny because I started the other way. I started with Europe right. and then I moved to California wines and now I enjoy both of them equally, but I just had a different path. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, it does. And then another random question, but um, for someone getting into wine, maybe they, they you know, they've tried it here and there, but it's, it's a bit of an acquired taste. How do you recommend someone dives into wine? It's this beautiful. <laughs> mm. Talk about opening Pandora. Right. right. So, uh, what I always tell people who are trying to learn about wine is you've got to just try lots of different kinds of wine. That's the best way to learn. Um, throw a party, yeah. you know, grab, have everyone bring a bottle and you don't have to drink everything, <laughs> right? but maybe you do, but, uh, just trying all those different kinds of wine, you get to learn about what you like and why. So especially with theme, you know, maybe we'll have 
pick out a bunch of different Pinot Noirs from all over the world mm. or locally, whatever you can find really. And just try the all those different wines and why are they all different? Every single of those Pinot Noirs will be different because of where they're from, the winery style who made it, um, their principles and philosophies. So that's what I would really say. If you're just starting to learn to get into wine, I would really look at just trying to open your horizons a little bit and um, try a few different things at once, maybe two or three bottles at once and just taste them and see the differences. Awesome. Thank you. A couple of final questions. Um, you were with this company now, you started it. What's the vision? Where do you see it going five years from now? Where do you, would you like to be? Or are you just more kind of letting the ride and see? Uh, I would definitely like uh, it to continue on the pace that it's going because mm -hmm. it from the onset it, the response has been amazing everyone has been extremely supportive of me um, supportive of of what I'm doing and I'm very encouraging and excited about what I'm doing again on all sides of the table so as long as I can keep on growing in a way that I can sustain and not get too big too fast mm -hmm. I think that's very important, um, but I would I would really like to uh, continue that sustainable growth and keep working with great like-minded producers that are focused on quality and um, responsible agriculture and business practices. How cool! So they're really aligning with your personal views, you would say. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, Okay, one thing I, I question I asked you last time we talked, it was uh, if you were to leave Earth, your you know, final meal on Earth, what's the wine, the one wine you would pair up with what food and why? Can I pick three? You can, yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> the more you talk about wine, the better for okay, me. Good. So yeah. I would say that one's got to be Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which Bordeaux it's going to be, um, but one has got to be Bordeaux. Uh, I would have to. I would be remiss to say if it was one was not local. I mean, I would definitely pick some Santa Rita Hill Chardonnay in there. Again, I'm really fond of the Santa Rita Hill Chardonnay, um, and then probably something from Italy. I'm part Italian, so mm. I do have a fondness there to Italian wines as well. And um, it might be a Barolo or it might be a Brunello from Tuscany, but one of those two, I, I, I would uh, it'd be a toss-up to pick either one of those. Uh, where would I have these? I would definitely have it in my backyard, family and friends, while out on the barbecue, you know, cooking for everyone and have some music on and everybody just hanging out. That'd be my dream scenario. The scene from The Godfather just came to mind. <laughs> nice. You're Polly. Nice. Great, great. Okay, we could go with that. Sure. Okay, and then uh, one final question. Um, success now, it looks like you've achieved quite a bit, especially when we talked about earlier, you know, family, kids, now you have a company. Do you think you're there? Do you have ways to go? How do you see yourself in the success field? Oh, I think you always have desires. Hmm. Uh, and my desires is, uh, my desire is to definitely make this company, um, I mean, I'm, I'm seven months in. That's crazy. It's brand new. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely to make this company more established. Um, we're just getting our feet wet. There are things that I want to do uh, more structurally uh, that were that will do exactly that. 
and I've got plans, but we've got to take it slow and organically. Right now, we just got it up and running, and um, and it's doing great the way it is. So, but I would love to be. Hmm. I'm gonna take this part. Maybe. So, five years from now, where do you see this Rincon Group going? Rincon Wine Group. I, I would like to. I would like it to remain a smaller company that I can run and manage. Um, but again, it's just seven months old, so I don't want it to grow too quickly, too fast. Uh, there are certain things that I, I do have in my brain, of course, that I, I, I want more infrastructurally change, infrastructure change. Um, but other than that, I'm really happy with how the organic growth has been going so far. We've got phenomenal producer partners. Uh, we've got phenomenal import partners. And the blend of those two is exactly what I've wanted to build. It was my vision of building um, for Rincon Wine Group. It's uh, giving, giving our market what they want to have. And as long as I can keep doing that, I think we'll be great. Sounds amazing. Sounds like you know exactly what you want and you so far you've gotten in there. So we're figuring it out constantly, but thanks. Yeah. Well, it's part of the process, but congratulations, Daniel. It's really cool to see you pursuing your dream. That's what this podcast is about. Um, to really have people pursue what they want, uh, their passion. And it was really cool to, to see you growing this company into what I know you're going to make it what you want to become. So it's really cool to see. And I can't wait to talk to you more about wine later on. Thanks for having me, Ricardo. Of course. Thank you, Daniel. Have a good one. Thank you all once again for tuning in. I'm having so much fun with these conversations, and I truly hope they're inspiring you to take that leap of faith. Believe in yourself. You can do it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at local.success, and join me next time.